Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Welcome to church, everyone. My name is Lucas. I'm really excited to be preaching today. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I really do hope you know that everything Pastor Lisa was saying about um, getting connected and finding someone in the atrium after, it's really our heart. So please do that. Um, we are starting this new series, and it is going to be a long one, okay? I, I'm going to tell you that right now. We plan on doing this series for a little while. We'll do it in three parts, kind of breaking acts up, um, and there will be a you know, guest speaker or two in there, I think. And so it's, it's good. I, I think for... For us to, we just tackled very, like Pastor Lisa was saying, like heroes and specific people. But there's something really important about looking as a church, I think as a community, all together in one book and staying in there. And so often in the summer we do that. And so as we kind of lead into summer, starting kind of this week and going forward, we're really excited to tackle this book. So this is the time to grab your Bible and to like make some underlines and highlight and really like dive in with your church family because we're all studying it all together. This is the t- if your Bible right now is on the shelf and collecting dust, now's the time to wipe it up, to bring it out, to get into it with your church family. Okay, we're all going to do it together. So we'll be in Acts. We're really walking through this, this book and it's going to be good. Today is Pentecost Sunday, which has such beautiful meaning and I think a beautiful parallel even with baptisms. It's funny, um, for a long time we knew that we would have a new series in May, like way back when we when were thinking ahead. And all I wrote down, and I got made fun of for this, all I wrote down on May 28th for, on, on the sermon series schedule was boom pow. That's it. That's all I had on there, and I got made fun of for a while. And then it was like, you know, we should put baptisms on there. Oh, my goodness, it's also Pentecost Sunday. So, everyone, today's sermon is called Boom Pow. That is the title, because there is power. The Holy Spirit is here. People are getting dunked. Boom. Okay? Boom Pow. I hope that makes sense. And if it doesn't, it's because it, it, it probably doesn't. That's why it probably doesn't make sense. A little bit of context to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, also called the Acts of the Apostles, was written by Luke. Luke, of course, wrote the Gospel of Luke. And, and truthfully, Acts is really Luke's Gospel Part 2. Like, these, these, these go, like, directly together. You can almost read them back, like, one after the other. Um, written kind of between 80, 60, 61 to 64. Kind of once Paul was in Rome, imprisoned at home there, Luke kind of knew, like, our times of traveling with Paul, they're, they're good friends. They're done. They're over. And so Luke himself kind of went off and wrote down everything that he saw, all the things he could hear. He went to people who were still alive at the times of Jesus and said, tell me every your, your story. Let me write that down. And he began to pen and write and write. Um, this, this book really provides a history for you and for me, a history of the early church. But more than just the early church, and I think that's what's important, it also sheds light on the gift of the Holy Spirit who empowers, guides, teaches, serves as our counselor, advocate, helper, who helps us live um, in power, right? Living in the power of the Holy Spirit to live out the fulfillment of the Great Commission. That would be kind of a great context for this book. And I'm going to be honest again, as we'll be in this book for a while, we're going to be reading a lot of scripture today. i got a lot to cover, okay? So I hope you like the Bible, because we will be reading it a lot today. And I'm going to jump right into it. Are you ready, church? Acts 1, verse 1, right from the top. 
In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus begun to do and to teach. So again, he's already referencing his gospel. He's already referencing a friend. He's trying to encourage them. This person, Theophilus, we know is probably a man of high standard. He's trying to point and really evangelize and say, this, is, this matters. Okay, these are people I know. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Verse 3, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So he's now talking about the resurrected Jesus showing up in people's lives, uh, ministering to people in different ways, trying to let him know like he was alive. And there's many people who can say this. It's not just me, but you can even go and ask others. You can go and ask others. He was here. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Just a quick point here. This is an interesting idea. You have to understand the disciples, the Jews for a long time were waiting for this hero, right? They were waiting for someone to come and free them from the yoke of the Romans, to, to take them out of kind of this slavery, to, to free them politically, militarily. Like that's what they were expecting. And so they're asking, now that you've resurrected, will you come and do it? Now that you've shown us that you're here not just for our spiritual reasons, will you also be here for something else, for our political reasons? He said to them, so he answers them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but here's what, here's what you are getting. Here's what really matters. This is, a big, this is the most important verse that sets up the rest of the entire book. Are you ready? Acts 1.8 it says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid, from them, hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up to the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside the men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is a beautiful opening to this book where Luke actually recounts to us and to, to, to anyone who's reading what happened. Jesus came, he died, he rose again for 40 days, he stayed, he ministered, and then he actually says to them, stay and wait, right? Like that's, that's what happens. The opening lines lays out the early church, yes, to see the world, you know, enlightened by the gospel, the power of the gospel in this first part of Acts. Jesus gives very um, specific instructions. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Don't leave. Stay and wait for the gift. Everyone's favorite word from God, right? Stay and wait. Isn't it? Isn't it like with Jesus, I think leaving, he knew that they could really do nothing effective for the kingdom of God until the spirit of God came. Like, this was really important. He's like, now that I am leaving, I need you to wait. And, and typically, you know, you would think that they would wait three days. You think that they may wait seven days. Those numbers are kind of important in the Jewish calendar, but it was actually 10 days. 50 days after Easter is when we celebrate the day of Pentecost. This is it's important, but I want to just quickly mention this idea of, of waiting, although I don't want to belabor it, because I feel like we've mentioned it and preached on it a little bit. Friends, sometimes waiting on God is the only thing you can do. Sometimes waiting on God is the best thing you can do even though it is sometimes the hardest thing you can do. 
But I do mean this. I believe every Christian in their life endures seasons of waiting. And I don't want to hit this for too long because I know, we've, I, I know I've mentioned this in some recent sermons. Uh, waiting is a part of the Christian life. There are seasons where you have to just wait on the Lord. You have to wait for that resolve. You have to wait for that moment of, aha. You have to wait for that, that falling of the Holy Spirit. You have to wait for whatever it may be. Every Christian in here, you have to understand there are seasons of waiting. But it's good. It's a good thing. The waiting produces something in us. To wait means they couldn't create it themselves, right? To wait means I can't like just pull something out of here for the next season of my life. To wait means I need something bigger than me. I need something stronger than what I have. I think we even heard that. Uh, I think it was Jonathan Hodgson who was saying like, in my own life, I was running after success in that baptism video. But it was the Lord who changed perspective and gave contentment. And so to wait means they couldn't create it themselves. They had to receive it. This power, they couldn't just make it up. They, they, they had to wait for it to happen. To wait means to be tested, to be challenged, to be purified. To wait means waiting for something is usually means it's worth waiting for. Right? To truly wait means I'm waiting for something that's worth waiting for. I think of like a sweet baby. Like I just, like, like I, Georgia, Georgia was like six days overdue and then took 30 hours of labor. And I'm just, I know, I'm like, I shouldn't be the one that was like, it was so long and painful. Like, but you know what I mean? I think of like, it's like just, and then when you meet, oh my goodness, right? That moment is just incredible. To wait means that they had a promise. And to wait for a promise means it will happen. This is a promise from the Lord. This is a promise from Jesus. That's the beautiful piece of this. this. This is the Holy Spirit finally coming, not for a moment for one prophet, right? Not for one moment or, for, or to be, you know, like in the Old Testament, to be a moment for this prophet to speak one thing at one time to a specific group of people. This moment is for the Holy Spirit to come for all time. But wait for the gift my Father promised. And Acts it's not just about the beginning of the church, and I want to make sure that's clear. I, there's churches in Egypt and in Samaria and Galilee that, that aren't even mentioned, but historically we know about. There is a greater theme happening throughout this whole book. The Holy Spirit has always been working, mentioned, but now it's making its home in every believer. Now it's making its home here. And, and, and this gift was all a part of God's plan. This isn't just some new idea that happens just to like the disciples who are charismatic and want it. This was always the plan. Genesis 1-2. Let me just, I'm going to give you a little history here. Now the earth was without shape. This is the second verse of the first book here. And, and empty and darkness was over the surface of the water deep, but the Spirit of God was moving over the surface. In Exodus, and I will give you a new heart. This is the, what God says, and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take out that stony heart and give you a new heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in the midst of you and I will cause you to walk in my commandments. How about the judges of Israel? Gideon, then the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet. How about Samson? And the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. How about Jephthah? Then the spirit of the Lord came upon him and from there he advanced. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say? It keeps going. How about Daniel? It was actually Daniel who was brought in by the king at that time who was frustrated that no one could interpret his dreams and said, finally, Daniel came into my presence and I told him my dream. He is called Belshazzar after the name of my God and the spirit of but the spirit of the holy gods is in him. 
David, do not cast your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Psalm 51. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Psalm 139. I'm just at, da- I'm just at David. Like we can keep going and, and I want to, but, but then we see Jesus in Luke 11, in, John, in, in Luke 12, in John 7, in John 14, in John 20. Friends, the spirit is littered through the historical text. It's not just in this moment. This was a promise coming to be fulfilled. Jesus says this to his disciples, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you. Someone say that word with me, forever. Okay, that was three people who said that word with me. And I did say some, someone, so that's fair. But in your heart, I hope you're seeing what I'm trying to say. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. And then there's another verse about John 14, but I'm just going to run out of time if I keep going. Friends, let us look at Pentecost with the right perspective. Pentecost isn't simply about tongues of fire, although that's important and we will absolutely get there this morning. Pentecost is about the long-awaited promise of the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live for the sake of others. Let me say that again because I really think it matters. Pentecost is about the long-awaited promise of the Holy Spirit which empowers all believers to live for God for the sake of others. I so believe this to be true. We see it here in Acts uh, chapter 2. It says, uh, verse 1, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem. Oh, sorry, now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they had heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them had heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all... Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Like, then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, and, and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea, Pontus and Asia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Jerusalem, Cretans and Arabs. Like, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they had had too much wine. Friends, I love this piece of scripture. And not because I was born on the Pentecostal church pew. Okay. Real story. No, I'm kidding. Um, Some of you thought about it maybe. Like, I, I really love this piece of scripture. There's beauty in this moment, isn't there? Right now in Jerusalem, it's the biggest feast of the year. Truthfully, that's what's happening. There's a, there's a festival. It's, it's actually, there was Jewish, a Jewish feast held 50 days after Passover. It celebrated the first fruits of the wheat harvest. And Jewish tradition also taught that Pentecost marked the day when the law was given to Israel. It's also a beautiful time of the year. And so every nation, every person, different Jews from all over with every language under heaven is represented. And that's a really beautiful thing to know about this chunk of scripture. And let's be all honest, let's, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Like for some of the, us, I think we look at Acts 2 and we either love it or we're a little bit maybe confused by it or a little bit like misunderstand what's happening or we're like, I know there's this whole thing in Acts 2 that happens and they're speaking in things and that's really cool. 
I just love Jesus. I just wanna, I wanna back up a little bit from that. I don't wanna kind of create some distance. I'm gonna love Jesus, I'm gonna serve, but that piece is just hard for me to understand. Can I ask you maybe, for those who are either skeptical or Christians and just find this challenging, consider for a moment, what would you do in this moment? Like, I mean, if you were the Lord, like, and I know that's a weird thing to think about, but honest question for those who may seem uncertain about Acts 2, this upper room moment, what could have been, of all the gifts, more fitting and profound in this moment? Like, firstly, Galileans were, were known to be uncultured and poor speakers. If you were from Galilee, this would have been a, a well-known stereotype upon you. That there was all the more reason, I think, to be impressed with their ability to speak so eloquently in other languages. This is important. That there's one, one commentator, I wrote this quote. People from Galilee had difficulty pronouncing specific gutturals and had a habit of swallowing syllables all the time when speaking. So they were often looked down upon by people, specifically of Jerusalem. So how much more beautiful is it that God is using their tongues, languages, to speak the wonders of him? The Holy Spirit is empowering them. Yes, maybe it seems unusual to us, but in a very specific way that actually goes against their natural talent, which is just how the Holy Spirit works all the time. Giving us words of knowledge or prophetic thought for someone or whatever it may be. Acts of healing, like I don't have the ability, but we have prayed for people here on Tuesday afternoon at 12, anointing them with oil, just with the, you know, with the words that we have in us. And we've seen miraculous healing after healing after healing. And we continue to pray for people in our church for more healing in their life. It's not in our power. It's not I, it's, I'm not a doctor. We're not like, but it's the move of God. It's the Holy Spirit. And I think in this moment, when every nation is represented, when all these people are coming, why not use people from Galilee who are known stereotypically for not being great speakers to use the gift of tongues? I think if you really look at this, the disciples were waiting. And remember, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation. This is an important piece. It's the biggest feast of the year. Every language is represented, so of course God would use tongues. Why not? The disciples were waiting for this gift. They weren't out doing ministry. They didn't set up church and they didn't plan to preach. A word of knowledge or wisdom would not have been the most appropriate here, I don't think. Uh, prophetic statements or miracles, also they'd already been doing that and that was already well known. They were asked to what? To wait. This is how God showed up and for a specific reason. I really think if you trace this, if you really, by natural reason, if you can take this objectively, you can completely make sense that the gifted tongues was the most appropriate right here, right now. And so if we know that to be true, like, it doesn't seem so odd, does it? It doesn't seem just hyper-charismatic, no, it seems beautiful, it seems fitting, it seems appropriate. You know what's odd to me? Essential oils. <laughs> I don't get it. Oh, I'm sick, so I just need to rub some lavender thieves' dust on my pinky toe and put some socks on at night, and that's gonna cure my cold. No, we believe that, but this, whoa, that's, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm, you, the parallels? Over 50% of Canadians and Americans all have super, believe and have superstitions. I have a big test today, and so what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna grab my lucky charm. Yeah, that little omen piece of dollar store is what's gonna help you on the test. That's, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I got a big business meeting today. I got to wear my lucky socks. I'm not going to while for a little while. I had certain socks I wore when I preached because I just felt better in them, right? Look good, feel good. 
preach good. No, like, it's silly. It's really silly. But this is how we kind of, this is kind of how we deal with certain pieces of life. The great Michael Jordan wore his college basketball shorts underneath his NBA shorts his whole career. And I'm like, Mike, you don't need college. You're just the best. That's just, it's talent, man. Like, it's not, it's not your lucky shorts. It's not essential. Like, I, what I'm trying to be playful here about is that we believe in a lot of kind of silly things. And yet, for some reason, Acts 2 feels odd. And I want you to feel comforted today. I want you to feel empowered today. I want you to know that your God is in control. That this moment didn't come a burst out of nothing. It was actually a moment of unity. It was a moment of beauty. And it was for this specific time. And it makes the most sense. And tongues of fire in this beautiful moment in the upper room is not to be feared or pushed aside. It's to be embraced and welcomed into your heart as a believer. I hope you hear that today. It's not weird or scary. It's a beautiful display of God's intentional manifestation to bring joy and empowerment to his believers. And I think we should all seek it. There's no controversy that God at least one time gave the church the gift of tongues. I need you to hear that. But much of the controversy is, is more about the purpose of the gift. And I get that. And I think you can read 1 Corinthians 14. There's a lot of great um, theology in there from Paul. Some think that the gift was primarily just as a sign to unbelievers like this moment. While some believe it's more of a heavenly language, I believe that to be true. Because here, you can specifically see in this moment, in Acts 2, notice what the people heard the disciples were saying. We hear them declaring what? The wonderful works of God. Friends, they were just praising God in other languages. Simple as that. That's what they were. The disciples were praising God, thanking him, praising him with all that they had in what would have been unknown language to them, but it gathered the crowd. It piqued their interest. They overheard. Friends, this was a powerful move of the Holy Spirit, and that's what we should seek often. You know, Andy, I've heard him preach often about, like, different things he'll say or do. I've heard Pastor Ron, you know, say like every morning I say this or, you know, as I pray, I, I say Jesus until I feel the presence of God come. I don't start praying until I really feel the presence. And I've tried to develop some of that in my own life. And the first three things I say to myself when I wake up is very specific, but it's like when I wake up and I can hear LJ crying and I can hear the kids kind of running or whatever it may be, I just stop for a moment and I say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, show me. Holy Spirit, use me. Those are the three things I say first. And I just say it a few times over and over. I don't put a podcast in my ears before. I don't run and do this. I don't start making lunches. I just, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, show me. Like, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Holy Spirit, use me. And I specifically say Holy Spirit. I don't say God and I don't say Jesus. Because in that moment, I want the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to sense his presence. Now, again, I'm not trying to get away from the Trinity here. I'm just saying to say Holy Spirit is important because I'm actually saying Holy Spirit over top of me, fill me, use me, overwhelm me, whatever that looks like in this moment. And sometimes it leads me into further prayer. Sometimes it just empowers me to tackle whatever I have on in the day. But I think it's important that we use the term Holy Spirit, that we speak it out, that we, that we actually, we, we, we talk to him and say, please, please fill me. Please use me. Because Pentecost was a moment of empowerment. Pentecost was a moment of unity. Pentecost was the moment of a promise fulfilled. And we want to embrace that as much as we can as Christians. Amen? 
The idea that these disciples communicated to the diverse crowd in tongues, you know, in tongues is, is kind of wrong. Like, the crowd had a common language. It was Greek, and this was edifying for their faith. This was about them feeling empowered. The, the fact that other people heard was an extra blessing of God's miraculous work. But now that Peter, specifically, was filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with zeal, filled with excitement, filled with joy, courage, desire, and so he stands up and he preaches. Because everyone now has gathered, and this is what it says in Acts 2, verse 14. And this is my final chunk of scripture for you today. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and he addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. I love that. Come on, guys, right? That's later. No, I'm teasing. I'm sorry. I had to say it. Forgive me. No, this is what has been spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show you wonders in the heavens above and signs on earth below, blood and fires and billows of smoke. Verse 20, the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Verse 21, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Friends, this is just the start of a sermon. It really keeps going. Like it's this beautiful word of the God where, where, where Peter is clearly different than he was before. Something has changed. Something has transformed him. Something has moved him. Something has done, like, there's a new sense of boldness. And you're going to see it in the coming weeks, in Acts 3 and 4 and 5 and 6. Like, he is nonstop, ready to go. The rest of the disciples are excited, fearless, emboldened, transformed. And this is what we see even in our baptism video. You see it in, their, in the way they speak, don't you? It's this freedom that they found. It's this joy that they have that something has changed them from the inside out. Friends, it's the move of God. It's the Holy Spirit. It's accepting Jesus and what he has done. And it's the sealed, promised Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1.13, that changes us from the inside out. And that's what we see here in this moment. And this is what Peter is preaching about. He's saying, listen, his spirit has come. You don't, don't, don't rush off to the temple right now, right here, right now. And he even says, on my servants, both men, both women, he's saying, everyone, I will pour out my spirit. This is the desire of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? He wants to, like, to be like, housed with us. Like, he wants to be poured out. Like He wants to be embraced by us. This is the desire. It's transformed lives. It's bold lives. It's sharing faith. It's going public with what you know to be true. It's telling the world that Jesus saves and is alive and still working miracles in our lives. He continues on, and this is the last bit. And Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So now he's actually pointing at the crowd. He's saying, you did this. You crucified him. When people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do then? We hear what you're saying. We know what you're talking about. Brothers, what shall we do? And he, Peter replies, repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And, what does he say again? And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off from the Lord God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who have accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Friends, what a beautiful moment at Pentecost. What a beautiful day. This is not something to run away from. Don't skip Acts 2 but embrace it into your faith. I encourage you, specifically those people who just feel like, I don't re- ask the Holy Spirit to be in your life, to, to embolden you, to encourage you. Pentecost represents transformation, difference, change, the movement of the church being born, Holy Spirit coming, filling, embracing, all, allowing us to be, embrace him. And any willing, humble person who waits on the Lord will be saved. And Peter said, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the whole point here. We need to continue to ask, continue to be filled. If you're a Christian in here, I pray this is a daily practice for you. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy, Holy Spirit, show me. Holy Spirit, use me. Friends, let us not be satisfied with a mundane relationship with Jesus. But let's go deeper. Let this summer be represented by that. We call upon the Holy Spirit to fill you daily, to be used by him daily, to, to speak words of affirmation, to, for words of knowledge, to pray for someone who needs healing, for the gift of tongues, whatever it may be, but ask that the Holy Spirit comes again and again and again, like, like that beautiful song from David, where can I flee from your presence? I don't want to go anywhere without him. Amen? Let me pray with you. Lord, this morning we are so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for the day of Pentecost. Right now across this room, Jesus, I just pray for a calmingness in our heart. If you would, even just open your hands. Open your heart to receive. Lord, I pray that we would not be satisfied with just coming to church on Sunday and going somewhere else. But but Jesus, would you really convict us, challenge us in in this moment to run to you every single day. Lord, your word says here, we just read that they were cut to the heart. I pray you would cut to the heart of someone today who has been resisting the gifts of the Holy Spirit because they felt uncertain, unaware. Maybe they saw something at church one time and they didn't get it, but Lord, I pray today they would. I pray today all of us would see what you're doing, how you're working in us. I pray you 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 would move on us in ways we never thought possible, in ways that sometimes we may not understand, but Lord, there would be such a trust that whatever you're going to do, however you may manifest, manifest yourself in us, Jesus, that it would be for your reasons, for your mission, for, for the great commission that we see here, for, for not just Victoria, but for this province, for our nation and for the nations above. God, I just ask in Jesus' name that we would sense your spirit every day for the person who has just been walking and feeling just really like in a desert, like dry, like really like spiritually weak, spiritually like, I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you fill them? Would you show up? Would you use them? Would you speak to them? Holy Spirit, I pray you'd come across our church. I, I pray you'd come at Tuesday prayer meetings. I pray you'd come on Thursday nights at, at, our, at, our, at our youth gatherings. Lord, I pray you would come right now 
Sunday morning in our kids' rooms. Lord, I pray you'd show up in our, in our, in our morning devos, in our kitchens, in our workplaces. Holy Spirit, you are not limited to this place. I pray, Lord, that we would sense you right now just filling and overfilling us, Lord, with joy, with gratitude, with the ability, Lord, to hear you. Maybe someone does begin to speak in a heavenly language this week, Lord, because they're asking and waiting and sensing your spirit. Maybe they start praying for someone more intentionally. Holy Spirit, would you empower us? Bold, give us boldness, Lord, to preach, to live out in a way that always shows your power, your grace, and your love. Jesus, we just want you in our life. Holy Spirit, we just want you in our life. So show up again and again, again and again. We thank you for all that you are. And we pray, Lord, for that person right now who just needs a touch from you, Holy Spirit. Cross this room right now. If that's you, if you just need a touch from, your, from the counselor, from the Holy Spirit, if you're just feeling like darkness in your heart, if you need what you see being represented here, which is, a, which is an overfilling of love and grace and power, if you need that today, would you just stick your hand up so I can specifically pray for you? You just need something more than what this world has to offer. See lots of hands. Lord, these are hands represented. We don't need to look around, Lord. That's a call for them. They're saying, I just need more. I need more, Lord, than what this world has. I need more than just what I have. Lord, I pray that they'd be bold enough to wait for your Holy Spirit to come. And Jesus, I pray you would come. And when you come, you bring power. And when you come, you'd bring visions. And when you come, you'd bring significant transformation and change. Lord, move us from one place to the next. I see movement throughout this whole book. Move us as a church, Lord. Keep pushing us forward. Let us not stand still. Let us not stay stagnant, Lord. Move us. And for the, the hands that are raised that just feel heavy and dark, Lord, you lift the burdens off. Holy Spirit, you pierce to the heart. Lord, give someone a new heart in this place. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. We need you, Holy Spirit, today. We honor you. Thank you for Pentecost. Thank you for the day we, we, we read here. And thank you for today that marks the uh, day for us of change, of transformation, and of more. We love you, Lord. And everybody said, come on, everybody said.